Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Molly Mintz from the Opinion and Analysis Desk. Recep Tayyip Erdogan appears simultaneously powerful and vulnerable ahead of the upcoming June 24 snap elections. Opinion polls show that Turkey's populist president might not win an outright victory in the first round of the presidential contest or a majority in parliament. The longtime leader of Turkey has used a mixture of both hope and fear to energize voters at a time of great economic uncertainty and amid an ongoing state of emergency, says Laura Patel. Will Mr. Erdogan lose his hold on power? Recep Tayyip Erdogan has never appeared more powerful. And yet, Turkey's president has also rarely looked more vulnerable than he does before polls on Sunday that were designed to cement his hold on power. The country's mercurial and populist leader called snap elections two months ago, hoping to act before economic problems took hold and to catch the opposition off guard. Instead, opinion polls suggest that his rivals could in fact stop him from winning a majority in parliament and that they might even push him into a second round head-to-head in the presidential contest. Turkey's president, often characterised as a strongman in the West, could find himself in the fight of his life against an anyone-but-Adoan candidate. My God, says Hishar Ersoy, who's running for parliament with the opposition People's Democratic Party, the HDP. If we can force a runoff, then anything is possible, he adds. The vote could not come at a more critical time. Turkey is grappling with a simmering Kurdish conflict at home and foreign military interventions in neighbouring Iraq and Syria. Tensions with the US and the EU are running high. The debt-laden economy, heavily reliant on foreign financing, has lost the confidence of many investors. Ryan Gingeras, an associate professor at the Naval Postgraduate School in California, says... Turkey is textbook unstable. We don't know how society is going to react, whether the opposition wins or whether Erdogan wins. Everything is up in the air. The country's social divisions have in the past helped Mr. Erdogan. Though the nation is split roughly between those who love him and those who loathe him, the anti-Erdogan half of the population has always been splintered. However, this time his rivals have been galvanised by the knowledge that Sunday's vote is the last chance to stop a radical overhaul of the nation's system of governance. If Mr Erdogan wins, the role of Prime Minister will be abolished and sweeping new powers will be placed in the President's hands. Parties from opposite ends of the political spectrum, secularists and Islamists, Kurds and Turkish nationalists, are teaming up to outmanoeuvre the President. The fledgling E-Party, the Good Party, and the country's oldest political group, the Republican People's Party, or CHP, have joined the small Islamist Saadet Party, the Felicity Party, to form an electoral alliance. With the support of the left-wing pro-Kurdish HDP, it could deprive the ruling Justice and Development Party, the AKP, and its parliamentary allies of a majority. 
Some in the opposition believe they could even stop Mr. Erdogan clinching the presidency. Muharrem Ince, the CHP candidate who has emerged as the leading presidential challenger, has surprised opposition voters with his energetic, funny and combative campaign. Mr. Erdogan, who has seemed tired and lacklustre in contrast, has been forced onto the defensive. The AKP narrative that the party makes the country richer and more prosperous has begun to unravel with double-digit inflation and a plunging currency that has lost about a fifth of its value against the dollar since the start of the year. If Mr. In- or the fiery ultra-nationalist Meral Akshaner can force a second round runoff of the presidential race, opposition rivals have suggested they will rally behind them. The electorate too may vote tactically. At a rally in the Kurdish majority city of Diyarbakir last week, thousands of HDP supporters who would never previously have dreamt of backing the CHP promised Mr Inje their support in a second round. Melissa Chakir, a student, clutching one of the red carnations handed out to the crowd, explains, We are not looking at him as the representative of a party, but as an individual. He has given us hope. It used to be Mr Erdogan who promised hope for the future, when the former mayor of Istanbul and the party he co-founded swept to victory in 2002. It marked an end to a decade marred by fractious coalition governments, economic crises and a devastating conflict against a Kurdish insurgency in the country's southeast. Some were deeply suspicious of his party's roots in political Islam, yet even his critics admit that he broke taboos, attracted investment and kick-started Turkey's bid for EU membership. The party had to tread carefully. They had question marks about whether the establishment in Turkey and the international community would accept them, says Durmuş Yilmaz, who served as central bank governor between 2006 and 2011 and is now an advisor to the E-Party. They did not dare to put too much pressure on the institutions, he adds. But over the years, Mr Erdogan's image soured both at home and abroad as he first neutered and then gained ever more control over Turkey's long politicised institutions, from the military to the courts. Once under his sway, he used them to further his ambitions and keep his critics in check. The trend accelerated after a violent attempted coup on July 15, 2016, which left 250 people dead and traumatised the nation. Mr Erdogan declared a state of emergency, using it to purge state institutions of alleged conspirators. But he also targeted critics and used the cover of the coup attempt to push for more powers. He ploughed ahead with his long-held ambition for a presidential system, winning a narrow and contested referendum held last April. If he wins both the parliamentary and presidential polls this weekend, the transformation to the new model will be complete. Temel Karamolaolu is the leader of the opposition Saadet Party and has known Mr. Erdogan since the 1970s. He says, The point we've now reached, especially after July the 15th, is that he has put the law to one side. We have reached the point where he says, The state is mine. Amid the opposition's excitement, harder-nosed analysts are asking themselves whether Mr. Erdogan would allow his hold on power to be loosened. Some believe he cannot countenance defeat. I think he is primarily driven by holding on to power and shaping the country according to his worldview, says Suat Kunukliolu, a former AKP member of parliament who quit the party in 2012. I think that he would love to remain president indefinitely, he adds. Supporters do not dispute his desire to remain in office, but they say he is driven by a sense of mission and that, even after a decade and a half at the helm of the nation, his work is far from done. 
Hilal Kaplan is a columnist for the pro-government Sabah newspaper, who is close to the Turkish president. She says he's not hungry for power. If that were the case, he would do things very differently, she says, citing his harsh criticism of Israel that upsets Western allies and a domestically unpopular decision to accept three and a half million Syrian refugees. He wants to keep ruling Turkey, she says, because he loves to serve. Many in the opposition believe he is motivated by something else. Fear. In 2014, leaked telephone recordings, dismissed by the president as fake, purported to show him asking his son Bilal in hushed tones to hide millions of euros stashed in the family home. The president's rivals have done little to refute the widely held view that, after leaving office, he and his relatives could face trial for corruption and other alleged offences. Last month, he told a meeting of ruling party MPs that he would go if the people demanded it. If the nation says enough, we will step aside, he said. But a week later, asked what would happen if he won the presidency but not the parliament, he said that he would not allow a development that would prevent the system from working, telling Bloomberg that he had Plan A, Plan B, Plan C. One of Mr Erdogan's advisers spelt out what that might mean, suggesting he could call fresh elections as he did in 2015 when he lost his majority for the first time. He won it back five months later amid a surge in violence. Alternatively, Mr Erdogan could try to chip away at a diffuse opposition bloc that might struggle to maintain unity if it wins control of parliament, seeking to peel off parts to join a coalition or courting support on a vote-by-vote basis. Some Erdogan rivals worry that the president simply will not allow the opposition to come out on top. The campaign has already taken place under deeply unfair conditions, with a state of emergency limiting public gatherings, appliant media that airs endless hours of Erdogan rallies, and the HDP presidential candidate Selatin Demirtas is in jail on terrorism charges. On polling day itself, there are fears of intimidation and fraud. Ballot box integrity, long prized in Turkey, has in recent years been undermined. During last year's referendum, the Supreme Election Board changed the rules on unstamped ballot papers while voting was continuing, a move that international observers said had, quote, undermined an important safeguard against fraud and contradicted the law. The incident put a question mark in the minds of many voters, says Gözde Elif Soytuk, chair of the independent monitoring group Oive Otisi, which is preparing a team of 200,000 monitors charged with safeguarding the vote and reassuring the electorate. Even without such concerns, opposition officials concede that beating Mr Erdogan in a runoff would be difficult. The president has millions of supporters, many of them pious Muslims or working class conservatives who felt marginalised before he came to power. The Turkish president plays on their anxieties about opposition parties, warning that they are traitors and supporters of terrorists who want to curb their religious freedoms. They only talk about destroying, he told a rally in the southern city of Mula earlier this month. Their project is to send Turkey back to the old days, he added. Even EU diplomats, who warn that Mr Erdogan now has a toxic brand in Europe, have started to worry about what would happen to the country of 81 million on their doorstep if he lost power. But they also fear that he is unwilling or unable to set the country on a less tense and more predictable path. The 64-year-old president has promised that victory on Sunday will herald a new period of stability. Some suggest that, as an arch-pragmatist, he could abruptly change direction, softening his approach to critics, spearheading economic reforms and making overtures to the West. 
but Abdul Latif Shana, a former deputy prime minister who left the AKP in 2008, pours scorn on the idea that he could do anything that grants more space to a resurgent opposition. If he goes back to a more democratic administration, he will put himself in great danger, says Mr. Shana, who is running for parliament with the CHP. He adds, he has to keep the government institutions under control, otherwise he cannot survive. Thanks for listening to the FT Big Read. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on all the usual apps. We're rethinking our podcast strategy at the FT, and we'd love to hear your views. Please tell us what you like and don't like about our shows by following the link in the episode description, or go to ft.com slash podcast feedback and enter our prize draw. This episode is produced by Molly Mintz.